Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin, the founder and CEO of Globig. Today's hot topic that we're going to be discussing is all about successful sales strategy in hot markets. And our focus today is Asia Pacific. This is part one of a two-part series. We're going to focus today on the sales strategy and what you need to know about the market. And then in part two, we'll discuss how to hire and build those business relationships. Our guest today is Kyle Hegarty. Kyle is with Leadership Nomad under the TSL Group, and he spent over a decade living and working in the Asia-Pacific region, helping companies expand into new markets and grow their sales. Kyle, thank you so much for being here today, and welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself as well as um, the TSL Group. Sure. Thank you again for inviting me. Uh, so yeah, as, as you had said, I've been working over across the Asia-Pacific region for uh, my 11th, this is my 11th year now. We had uh, come over under, under TSL 11 years ago with the intention of, of expanding our marketing agency to focus on local as well as global accounts, but focused obviously across Asia-Pacific. Uh, we still do that and it's going, going well. We... Um, also, though, noticed that there were some other market demands that uh, were really interesting, and specifically, it was focused around Western companies looking to get a foothold in the region and to expand from there. And so that not only included marketing assistance in the traditional outsourced marketing that we do, but then we also ended up helping companies build their own teams, uh, doing consulting around marketing and sales, a lot of sales strategy, sales training, hiring teams, and then executive communication. So we're a walking example of probably a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about today and, and over these other uh, podcast sessions. Excellent. So when we talk about Asia Pacific, let's make sure that we define what exactly it is. It's not like it's not a country, right? It's a, It's an amalgamation of a lot of countries and cultures and and how do you define it yeah i i i don't because <laughs> you're exactly right i mean it, you, you can even take just one country say india for example and when you're actually working in the india market it's not really a market there's a number of different uh sub markets going on within it so you then start looking and say okay well there's also china there's ASEAN, which incorporates uh, half dozen or more countries. You've got Australia, New Zealand, you've got Japan. So uh, this is a very complex part of the world. It's complex just because there's so many different moving pieces going on. And I, I think it's a good place to start because probably the, the biggest first mistake companies make when they start thinking about going into the region is that they think of the region as a market. So in other words, they will say, well, you know, we have a Asia market strategy or our APAC market strategy. And that what people realize very quickly is, is, is pretty meaningless um, because it's so complicated and it's so large and you're talking about such a vast geography and, and number of cultures. So when you come in with one single plan of attack that's covering so many different things, you end up not succeeding and, and not really uh, helping any, anybody, especially yourself. So we we'll probably dig into that more as well. Absolutely. So really, 
key number one is it's it's actually not a market. It's probably a mix of 50 markets, if not more, right? And they're all incredibly different from each other. So yeah, how... I mean, in some, in, that's right. I mean, some, some of the differences are, are incredibly stark and, and apparent. Others are kind of hidden and, and you kind of don't really see it until you, you get your hands dirty with it. But um, absolutely, I, I think that when companies try and go in and, and they try and hit, the, if they think about it as a single market, they may approach it as a single market with, an, with a single strategy. More often than not, that doesn't work. All right. So what does work? How should companies approach going yeah, somewhere? This, and, and this is where some of the advice and, and, uh, and feedback, some people don't like to hear this, but I, I think the first thing that people uh, do, either they, they take that advice, this what that's what I'm about to give, or, or they learn the hard way, um, it's to start off smaller. It's to pick one or two places to get your toehold and then move from there. Uh, that would probably be the the, uh, the the second piece of advice. So, you know, understanding that we're talking about such a large geography with so many different moving parts, pick one area, one market within there as a starting point, see how that goes, and then start putting your expansion strategy around that. So then when you're thinking about what that one would be, what do you recommend? Like where should companies start or what are some of the places that most will consider and and then yep. why so the the answer is going to is going to depend on a number of factors um, obviously it depends on the product depends on the industry it depends on what the objective is there are some probably more common starting places than others so uh, I, I would say probably the two or three most common starting part points would be singapore where i'm based uh, and I'll talk about the pros and cons of that in a moment. The other one is is Australia, which is interesting. So oftentimes we'll see companies that will say, okay, well, our, our APAC strategy is we're going to go to Australia and we're going to run the APAC region from there. The, we'll talk about Australia for a second. So the advantage of Australia is that it's a very similar market to, to North America. Uh, in terms of buying habits and just cultures, it's it's a pretty easy transition. Um, we can get into the sales component as well. They 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 tend to make pretty quick buying decisions, so it's actually a, a great market to start out with. You you end up uh, hitting some numbers pretty quickly. The downside is that Australia is uh, it can be it can be a seven to nine hour flight from Singapore. It's very far away from the rest of Asia. And that matters because you actually, companies struggle when they realize that they can't really effectively expand into, we'll call it ASEAN, greater China, India. It's very difficult to do that from Australia because it's so far away. It's, it's almost the same distance um, to some of those markets that I just listed as, as Europe is. And so that's one of the, there's some pros and cons there to thinking about Australia. Singapore is another interesting market, uh, often referred to as the gateway of Asia, and, and it certainly is because it's that blend. You've got a ton of Western influence. You've got a, a huge uh, background and diversity. You've got tons of, of uh, Chinese and, and India and, and Malay. So that's a, a nice little market because it's also incredibly safe. Uh, very strong government regulations, uh, 
very open market mentality and mindset. So it's a nice starting place there. But one of the things that people struggle with, companies struggle with when they start at Singapore is uh, first, it's, it's very small. It's just a city state. It's probably the size of, I don't know, greater Boston. But, you're, you know, you're, you really actually have a limited market if you're just looking at Singapore. Second problem from a sales standpoint is that it's a conservative market. I don't mean that politically. I mean that just from a mindset and a behavior standpoint. Uh, it's not a, a market filled with risk takers. So companies struggle hitting sales targets if they're focused on getting into Singapore. Uh, a lot of Singapore companies would say, well, if you're new, we're, we're going we're gonna to wait and see. Uh, we're not going to take a risk buying from a company that they don't know. They would much rather work with somebody who has a longer local track record or a stronger brand. And so a lot of companies end up not hitting the numbers that they expect in a market like Singapore because of that. Interesting. So both the size as well as the conservativeness. And, and would you agree even the competitiveness because it's such a test market for so many companies that to stand out, you really yep. have to put a lot of time and effort, uh, even financial effort into get capturing someone's attention? It, absolutely. I think that and I, and I think it's getting a lot harder because there's a lot more local competition that is doing a lot better and is more uh, globally minded or globally competitive. So I think that the good old days of being able to come into some of these, call I'm doing air quotes, but you know, emerging markets was that you could come in and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the US, I'm from the West. We, we know what we're doing, buy our stuff. People used to more or less do it. That, that game's over. Uh, these, I don't really like the term emerging markets. I think that they've never, I think that they've emerged like everybody else. They've just emerged in different ways. And I think that in the, the last few years, that's especially accelerated. Uh, these local markets know what they want. And the old days of, of, a, of a Westerner coming in and kind of saying, well, we, you know, we know how it's done, so follow us. That's not happening anymore. And the local competition is a lot stronger than it's ever been. And I think that that's changed the dynamic of a lot of these marketplaces, especially in the tech sector, which I, pr I probably have more of a focus on than others. So that said, with those two markets having some significant challenges, I mean, they're obviously wonderful markets. Any um, thoughts on some kind of hidden gems and some places that you've seen companies do very well in that they may not, others might not have considered as kind of a launching pad? So there, you know, there's going to be pros and cons to all of these places. Um, one of the markets that people are doing very well in over the last few years has been Indonesia. Uh, just from a macro standpoint, it's just a great market in terms of size, tons of, uh, you know, tons of tons of people, tons of growing middle class. Depends, of course, on what you're selling. Um, the progress towards democracy has been heading in the right direction. I say that somewhat hesitatingly, but it's it's slowly but surely heading there. Uh, so a lot of companies have been finding some good success in that market. Again. There's, there's risks, there's challenges, um, but that would be one market that, that 
I think companies have been pleasantly surprised at, and that seems to be heading in the right direction. Uh, a lot of companies have been expanding from Singapore into Malaysia. There are a little bit, it, sometimes it's a little bit easier to uh, find talent or to be able to bring foreign talent in. Singapore, again, it's so small so that you, there are some regulations, so they don't always, um, they're, they're not as um, open about letting foreign talent in giving them work permits anymore than they used to be. So a lot of companies are starting to shift some of their uh, operations into Malaysia and the Philippines. We did that actually. So we, we opened our offices in Singapore first and we slowly transitioned a majority of those people over to the Philippines. That's very interesting. Um, when, when you do think about this, what are some of the key aspects of that strategy that you want companies to consider and then what we'll do is is then we'll walk go into kind of the second part of this discussion and that's really talking about how do you find and nurture and develop a really great you know sales strategy and also sales team sorry do you mind repeating that just yep. the, the beginning part of that question yeah i was just thinking all right so what are some of the characteristics and the things that companies should consider before they decide on kind of which market to launch in? You know, I think in terms of for companies to decide where to go first, it, it, it really does uh, depend on, on the industry that they're in, on uh, what their particular goals and objections or objectives are. Uh, the thing that I would recommend people do is to get your research done properly. And one of the best ways to do that is to look at, at competitors. What, what are the competitors up to? What's been working for them? What hasn't been? Uh, and that can't just be like a surface level approach where you go to their website and read their press releases. You've got to find out what's really going on, um, what's working for them in what regions and why. Uh, there are, for example, you know, I, I, again, I think we're a great example. We our marketing agency, uh, the core of it is, is uh, at, at its core is call centers. So we have people doing outbound work. Now we've expanded to do more uh, digital solutions as well, but we at our core have uh, a lot of people who are on the phones who are doing follow-up work and other types of uh, customer communication. Singapore is not a great place to build a type of call center. It's, it's not big enough. Um, it's a very expensive part of, of the world. I was going to say the region, but it's an expensive part of the world. And there are other markets that are much better suited for it from an infrastructure standpoint, from a talent standpoint, and just from an overall execution standpoint. And those, those, those would be places like uh, the Philippines and India. So it, the answer is going to vary depending on your business, your industry, and what your goals are for, for, for the region. What are some of your favorite ways to get intel on these regions? What are some great media outlets that you pay attention to? You know, how should, where should someone start? So there are some higher end market research uh, sources that are out there. Um, I'm, uh, I, I could probably send you, or, you know, we could, list out some of the, the ones that uh, that I would recommend. I think you have to be careful 
helpful with some of the standard media that's out there because I think of the different agendas and, and why people are, are publishing what they're publishing. So I do think that the, the best way, which is, is also fun, which is you, you've got to put boots on the streets. So you, you've got to spend the time to get there. Um, I think the, I think the um, group or the, the industry networks are also a great starting point. So not necessarily industry, but you could go to like, if, if you are an American company, the American Chamber of Commerce is, is very strong in these regions. They're very focused on networking. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised when you do get to some of these parts of the world, how just open people are and people are willing to share experiences and their stories. So you can learn a lot by asking the right questions, being open-minded and just going for it. But the, the way to do that is you, you've got to be there. And so uh, oftentimes we'll work with companies who will say, look, we want to do a road show. And, and one of the mistakes that's often made is that they'll say, well, we're going to be in Singapore for a day and then we're going to go to Malaysia and then Hong Kong for a day. And then we're going to wrap up in Philippines and you know, it's a, we're going to spend a whole week in Asia. And, and that's, you know, that's spreading yourself out very thin. Because again, as we said at the beginning here, this is a big place. Um, right. And so, you know, you've got, to, I, think, I think that's another thing that the companies wrestle with is that these things take longer than anyone's willing to expect or, or, or what, what people are were hoping for. So they have to expect that that, more time and more money and more resources just it, to get going. I, I, yeah, oftentimes these conversations, I'm the bearer of bad news. It's not not exactly what people want to hear because I think people end up hearing, you know, that these are the growth markets. These are the markets that are growing faster than anywhere. And then all of a sudden they get there and they go, okay, yeah, the growth is definitely happening, but this takes a heck of a lot longer than anybody was telling us or that we thought. Mm -hmm. uh, it's harder to find talent than what we thought. It's way more expensive than what we thought. And so those things start combining and, and um, some, some companies have to do some soul searching to, to ask, you know, should they even be there in the first place? Which is, a, which is uh, something that, you know, oftentimes people make the assumption, they say, well, we just have to be there. Okay, well, well do you? Let's let's really look at this stuff before we start um, start going down this because I, the the number of companies that have shown up into the region made these mistakes they've lost millions and they've quietly gone back to to lick their wounds and those are the stories that you don't hear that's not the press release that gets sent out and it's important for companies to understand that you don't just show up and the 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 streets aren't paved with gold over there. Well, I think that's why we do what we do, right? That's yeah. why your company exists. That's yeah. why ours exists is to try to give people a framework and an understanding yeah. and an opportunity to succeed the first time, right? Exactly and to right. do it right and to do it more strategic and, and maybe slower than what they anticipated, but to be yeah. successful, right? Yeah. And, and I think it, you know, the, the great way to start that is... To, to have that moment where you acknowledge that you, you don't know what you don't know um, and to be able to move forward from that. And, you know, we I've used this expression a lot in terms of um, both exploring and living in the region and working in the region. It's, it's, you have to kind of have like a 360 degree uh, or multi-dimensional outlook on things. So 
you could ask a standard question in a in a culture or a country that you're used to, you get an answer and then, okay, that's, that's the answer. And it's not necessarily the same because there's other things going on that you might not be aware of until you're there. Uh, the easiest example of that would be just pure language. So, you know, when somebody tells you something from a place in the world that you're from, so we're, we're, we're both talking here in the U S this week, um, Someone from Denver and Boston can have a conversation and there's some unspoken understanding about what we're talking about and what we're saying. That unspoken understanding disappears when now you're talking to somebody from a place like India or China or Singapore or all of these other places. And you've got to, that's why I call it the 360. You've got to be thinking about a bunch of other angles as to what's really going on underneath the conversation. Absolutely. Um, and that goes into the culture and, and the yeah. understanding of it. And, you know, we always say in all of our podcasts and everything we do is this culture is probably where most things fall apart. If yep. you're not aware yes. and you're not prepared and you're not taking that into consideration, whether it's an acquisition or whether it's an expansion or merger or partnership, it always, the numbers can make sense, but it always yep. comes down to if you're prepared to work within the culture, the likelihood of success is a lot higher. Uh, and, and we, we are our own uh, example of that. You know, as I, as I said earlier, it's, we showed up thinking we were going to be able to expand uh, our business the way our business was being run out of the U.S. And we'd already had experience doing it into, into, uh, into Europe. And we hit some, some pretty big walls very quickly. Uh, it, we, we couldn't do it the same way that we were doing things in, in these original markets. And the culture component was what dawned on us over time. And that's actually why we ended up spinning into more of a consulting business that actually focuses on those cultural variations and how to work around them. Great advice, Kyle. Thank you very much for joining us today. So this concludes part one of our two-part series, Successful Sales Strategies in Hot Markets with the focus of uh, Asia Pacific. Tune in for part two where Kyle and I discuss how to hire and sell effectively in the Asia Pacific markets. Don't forget to visit our website at globig.co for your online international expansion headquarters. You're going to find the framework for successfully entering new markets, an abundance of free resources, training, and introductions to vetted experts around the world. We wish everyone a great day. Go global and go big.